Young fella, if you're looking for trouble, I'll accommodate you. Because this is a time for tremendous hope and joy and optimism and action. But to embrace the possibilities of tomorrow, we must reject the perennial prophets of doom and their predictions of the apocalypse. They are the heirs of yesterday's foolish fortune tellers. We all believe that when we talk about the children of the community, they are the children of the community. And when it comes to the gas prices, uh, we're going through an incredible transition that is taking place that, God willing, when it's over, we'll be stronger and the world will be stronger and less reliant on fossil fuels when this is over. We accelerate the move to clean energy because ultimately a move to clean energy is the homegrown, secure kind of energy that will make us independent. There's a Larry Fink surcharge. Every time you fill up your tank, you can thank Larry for the massive and inappropriate ESG pressure. You know, we always called each other good fellas. Like you'd say to somebody, you're going to like this guy. He's all right. He's a good fella. He's one of us. You understand? We were good fellas, wise guys. Welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is Thursday, May 26th. We're here live in the AEA studios. I'm your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm your co-hostess, Mike McKenna. This is episode 85? 85. 85. 85. I said we'd I never make it I'm past I'm make it that five, long in yeah. my life. Speaking of... Ray Liotta. Wow, shocker. Died in his sleep, 67 years old. Making a movie still. I don't know. There's going to be some more stuff about this. I, I assume think. we're going to yeah. find out stuff we don't want to know. Very sad, very sad. Seriously. Which is why we threw that into our little montage there for the week. Also, so. we just dig that particular Oh yeah, that particular <laughs> you know, scene, right? He's one of us. He's a good fella. You like him. Yeah, That's how politics us. are, if you think about it. Yeah, Somebody says, hey, you know this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good guy. He's a good fellow. He's one of us. One You're going to like him. So this is from Vanity Fair. Hollywood tributes are pouring in for Ray Liotta. Distinctive good fellows actor who died suddenly at 67. In the Dominican shooting a movie, Dangerous Waters went to sleep and never woke up, the publicist confirmed. Yeah. God bless you, Ray. Seriously. Rest in peace. Eternal restaurant on to him, oh Lord. Okay, any announcements today? Um, yeah, I have three. Uh, I want to welcome our three three new listeners, uh, Todd K up in New York, who's a welcome, fi- Todd. who's a finance maven. So I'm going to count on him to start breaking the ice with all the other finance mavens up yeah, there. Get bust this open. Um, uh, Bob, Feed us tips too. Seriously, unregulated uh, at energydc.org. Bob, uh, Bob S. From Houston, who is also oddly enough a finance guy in Houston, um, a legit rocket scientist he used to be a customer of mine. Um, a legit rocket scientist. I think he got his degree in aerospace engineering and then went to Princeton and got some degree in economics. I don't know. He's one of those guys, right? Super smart, but he can actually explain things to to idiots like me. And then uh, Richard, who joins us from the hallowed halls of FERC, so we can't use his name really at all, probably, Ooh. but. Um, Welcome, all three. Welcome, welcome. Okay, I have one quick announcement. Um, after weeks and weeks of cajoling, my mother finally <laughs> relented and asked me to send her the Apple subscription to our, <laughs> our podcast. So maybe I'll finally get her to. Then she'll be. Then she won't complain that I never talk to her because she'll be able to hear me every week. Yeah, your dulcet so. tones. One more announcement from me. 
It has been 31 days since Twitter agreed to Elon Musk's offer to purchase said company. Yeah, I'm betting that's not going to happen. I, I've been telling you. It's I've way been over, telling you. It's way overpriced at the number they agreed to. Let's put it that way. All right. So uh, I do have one quick this day in history. You might be able to guess it based on the montage. May 26th. May, t- May 26th, 1907. A young Marion Robert Morrison. Marion Morrison, was John born Wayne. in Iowa. John Wayne, Marion Morrison. Yes, sir. Moved to Glendale as a young lad. USC alumni, fight on, fight on. Sorry about that. And, uh, of course, his breakout movie was Stagecoach. Did he actually graduate from USC or just go there? He was a football player. He was a football player for a year until he hurt himself. Did he graduate from there? Yes, of course. He's one of our most esteemed alumni, sir. Really? One of your most? Who's more esteemed than him? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so my favorite, uh, I I was looking through uh, sort of the history of him, and this line struck me. I thought I'd read it. Wayne played the role of Ringo Kid, and he imbued, imbued the character with the essential traits that would inform nearly all of his subsequent screen roles. A tough and clear-eyed honesty, unquestioning valor, and a laconic, almost plodding manner. I thought that was a really apt description. Stagecoach. Pretty much every role John Wayne played. Stagecoach, so. 1939. Let me tell you something about Wayne, right? He... um. And, and I know what I'm going to get. Hey, he never uh, he never served and blah, 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 and all that other stuff. But the reality of it is, is that he modeled um, he modeled what it was to be a man for um, men in this country for 100 years now. And that's just that. And I, I you, you will be hard pressed to find somebody who had who had in those 100 years as much social influence as John Wayne. Yeah, of course, towards the end there, they they nailed him for. You know things he said back then. That, and nobody you know, cares. Aren't applicable. Nobody now, cares. But... You still got two. You still got two or three cable channels that are built Absolutely. around John Wayne movies. I, I do know this. My grandfather uh, flipped between the Yes Network and the John Wayne, sure. whatever, <laughs> where every John Wayne movie was located. Of course, it, you know it. So. It, 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 it. He benchmarked the whole situation for us. That's just that. All right. Um, I I think maybe we should hit hit this and and because we it's unavoidable. Uh, we should definitely talk about Evaldi, Texas. Yes. I'll play a quick clip for you from Governor Abbott. It is intolerable and it is unacceptable for us to have in the state anybody who would kill little kids in our schools. Children are a blessing. God teaches us that. They're filled with laughter. Innocence and joy. Their love is a gift that parents get to unwrap every single day. Okay, I wanted to play that for some context. Yeah. Because, as you know already, that is already lost in this conversation. Yeah, sure. So, uh, anyway. Um, can, I, can I give you some context on this? Yes, get, let's start out. Let's get it. Let's get it going here. Let's do this. Well, since you know, since you can't do this without identifying your bona fides, let me identify my bona fides. I'm the father of three and the grandfather of three. Um, it, it it's bad, right? There's, there's no good thing here. I, I would put some perspective on it. First off, I want to say there were about 140 people killed in live shooter, um, in live shooter. 
events last year, about twice as many as there were the year before. 140 is a lot, way too many. It's 140 too many. On the other hand, 10,000 people were killed by firearms in the same year. Right? Um, that includes suicide. It includes homicide. Um, you know, New York City has about 1,000 homicides every year. Nobody wants to seem to do anything to stop that. My suspicion is is because you know, most of the victims aren't lovely little kids. Um, you know, this is an emotional thing and people react emotionally to it. That said, there are two other things I, contextually that are worth talking about. One is we don't, um, we don't strengthen or securitize our schools like we should. Single so rudimentary things like single point of entry yeah. and armed guards, you know, yeah. it, it Let's put it this way: We just shipped off forty billion dollars to Ukraine. I, I, I'm, I'm very, very much aware of that fact, and, you know, and right. just you don't even have to go there because there's already hundreds of millions of dollars from COVID stuff sure. that was supposedly sure. designed sure. to upgrade schools, sure. right? Which could easily, easily be diverted to this kind exactly. of stuff. Exactly, and it should be right. You know, if we're serious. It, it, and we should be serious about this. Let's get serious about strengthening our schools. If the teachers don't want to be armed, let's make sure we have some armed guards there. Um, you know, there aren't that many schools in the United States that we can't do it. That's thing one. Thing two is, um, I'm sensitive to the both. I'm sensitive to arguments on both sides about gun control that we're not doing enough and that we need to be careful about getting on a slippery slope. But that said. I don't understand, I don't see any reason why you couldn't have a 72-hour hold or a 96-hour hold on gun purchases. I don't really see where that's going to make any material difference to anybody who wants to hunt or shoot targets or shoot skeet or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't see any problem. I see a, I see a red flag um, laws have to be careful. You have to be careful of red flag laws, but I'm generally speaking in favor of red flag laws. Um, and, you know, you'll find out right away if they're getting abused. And everybody, you know, if you wind up having 50,000 applications for red flagging somebody, that's going to be a clear sign that yeah, it's getting I think abused. You gotta, but, but, you know, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff you can do, but. They're not going to do it. But the problem the is. the issue is over, right? I mean, this, this, well, this is the, the problem I have with, I mean, with the, the Senate. About, I mean, they the had thing. a chance to do something already and they passed on it. Here's right? the thing about the Democrats and this. The Republicans, I get totally. You know, their constituency is, I don't want to get on that slippery slope. I'm sensitive to that argument. I really am. The thing I don't get about the Democrats is, is that they just gave up about 15 years ago on this issue. And something like this happens, and they yell and scream, and literally nobody on their side of the aisle says, guys, you've, you really, you gave up on this issue 15 years ago because the NRA just thumped you so badly, right? And Dave Axelrod said something about this. Um Right in the aftermath of of this this shooting, he said, "Look, he said, I I'm willing to admit it. The gun lobby has won, but let's see if we can't come up with something that we can all agree on." And I think that's where I am. Right? I, I don't want to give the federal government. I do not want to repeal the Second Amendment, but I'm perfectly comfortable with red flags and holds and stuff like that. But really, what I'm comfortable with is hardening schools. The truth is part of the reason why schools are an appealing place for the people who are unwell to go shoot people because they're defenseless. They know they're, they're going to go into a place where and, no one's going to have a gun. There's also, you know, copycat, right? I mean, that's part of the, part of the yeah. deal, right? Yeah. And, and 
crazy guy who uh who has a gun okay maybe he doesn't have a gun well maybe he loads his his rider truck with fertilizer and plows it into a building right right so uh, you know the, the correct answer is we can do both we should do both um, but we should also stay focused on there are more people and governor abbott said this more people um you know getting killed in chicago on an average week than got killed in in the shooting at Uvalde, Texas. I realize that that's not a comparative that that we should celebrate. Absolutely. But it's something we can And most of the states that you're talking about have these laws. Right. right? Already these red flag laws and everything else. And it's just Joe Biden signed yet another executive order that's going to get thrown out. You know, I wanted to say something about that, that executive order about the police. Talk about tone deaf. You you pick this moment yeah. to to further emasculate your police forces in the That's country. Right. It's insane. Well, he, his wasn't the only bad take. Uh, I want to read you a tweet from the former president of the United States. As we grieve the children of Valdi today, we should take time to recognize that two years have passed since the murder of George Floyd under the knee of a police officer. His killing stays with us to this day, especially those who loved him. The hell does that have to do with what happened in Texas? I ask you. I ask. I didn't see. I, I didn't, ask you that, uh, brother. And let me guess. That that is, of course, um, President Obama, right? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, every once in a while, you just you just can't stand the people that you do business with in this town. In this business, yeah, and that, that that is one of those moments. Like, dude, read the room. It has nothing to do with yeah. you and your pet and your pet project. Yeah, that's that's his deal. And then, of course, you had the Beto, Robert Francis O'Rourke, the Robert Francis O'Rourke I don't know who Beto staged is. The, the staged <sighs> outrage, at crashing gonna, a press conference. We're gonna have to vote with the mayor of Uvalde. Oh there. yeah, you know, we called him a sick <laughs> son of a bitch. And you know what? It's very difficult to – people want to be respected. Very difficult to treat people with respect when they do something like that. Yeah. Okay, well, um, one more quick one, and, and this is really important because I take all of my political advice from Steve Kerr. 50 senators in Washington are going to hold us hostage. Do you realize that 90% of Americans, regardless of political party, want – Background check, universal background check. 90% of us, we are being held hostage by 50 senators in Washington who refuse to even put it to a vote, despite what we, the American people, want. They won't vote on it because they want to hold on to their own power. It's pathetic. I've had enough. I'm sorry. Yeah, so his his dad was killed in Lebanon. I don't know by who, but... and, and. He's an idiot. I don't know. How, I'm trying not to say that, but even the argument, I watched the whole, all three minutes of that rant, and it made no sense. It no, literally I, I made no sense. It. I'm just like, dude, that makes no sense. It makes it doesn't even have any internal logic. Stick to basketball, please. Yeah, I actually, I'll, I will put it in the show notes. And by the way, uh, uh, one of our uh, loyal listeners was frustrated about the show notes producer, so we got to figure out how to clean those up for her. Matthew McConaughey, who is from Evalde, Texas. 
I wondered why that town sounded familiar. He had a long statement about this, yeah, which was very um, measured. I read, you know, I read not his, political. I read his autobiography. A touch of a hint of gun control. We need gun control, but you know, he was flirting with running for governor, right, yeah. of Texas. Honestly, like compare this to the Democrat nominee, and you know, he might have had a better run. Oh, so, so against Abbott. Uh, let me just close. Um, yeah. Close it with. Uh, action must be taken so that no parent has to experience what parents in Evalde and the others before them have endured. And to those who dropped off their loved ones today and not knowing it was goodbye, no words can comprehend or heal your loss. But if prayers can provide comfort, we will keep them coming. So. I, I got to say this about him. I read his autobiography. And right now, before you go, it's right about time of the podcast where I take my, take my shirt, shirt off. off. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Soderbergh, it's time of the podcast where I take my shirt off. He, interesting guy. He is. He's an interesting guy. Every he time is. I see him, I'm like, yes. right, I don't know if I agree with that dude, but he's he's always like thinking about something. He's an interesting guy. He's, you know what? No doubt about it. Between, between, picking, between picking Steve Kerr, Having to listen to that and listen to Matthew McConaughey, yeah. On any topic, I'm going to pick McConaughey 100 times out of 100. And also, it gives you a chance to take your shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. All right. So, party, um, party at the Moon Tower. Big confab. The crowd is has reassembled in Davos, Switzerland, the World Economic Forum. And man, I got some hot takes, my friend. Go I ahead. Got some hot takes. Go ahead. Let me start with the intro. From the the big guy himself, Klaus Schwab. Klaus Schwab. Klaus. Listen to this, man. This is crazy. Also be clear. The future is not just happening. The future is built by us. By a powerful community as you here in this room. We have the means to improve the states of the world. But two conditions are necessary. The first one is that we act all as stakeholders of larger communities, that we serve not our only self-interests, but we serve the community. That's what we call stakeholder responsibility. And second, that we collaborate. And this is the reason why you find many opportunities here during the meeting to engage into very action and impact-oriented initiatives. See, si. yeah, the future is built yeah, by us. Yeah, the new world order. You know, there's nothing like hearing a guy with a deep German accent talk about collaboration. <laughs> yeah, like it's yeah, sign me up for that, buddy. I mean, these guys cannot like they cannot. Was, he, help was this themselves. the opening? Was this the this opening was of the, a, this was the the yeah the, the big opening? This wasn't the opening of a Boond rally. This was the no. opening of Davos. By the way, the earlier clip uh, from the montage of Trump was when he gave his final speech at at Davos, Davos. in January of 2020 before the world. Exploded. I just want to point out. As you out, recall, he was rolling into a landslide re-election with the economic just, situation. I just want to point out you're in. talking to the only person probably who's ever turned down a trip to Davos. I know. I was really bummed because I wanted you to wear those cool boots. Sorry. All right. Here's another one Klaus, from Klaus. Alibaba Group President J. Michael Evans. we got a new product coming out on the market, Mr. McKenna. Oh, yeah. You should be very excited yeah. about this one. We're developing... 
through technology an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? That's where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So individual carbon footprint tracker. Mm. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. I can't wait for my individual carbon tracker. Can I get carbon one? footprint tracker? Can I get one on carry? A special envoy carry? Can you believe that? Yeah, sure. I can. They're excited about that individual just carbon a, just until footprint tracker. Did you hear just, the excitement in his voice? Excitement. Just a matter of time till he insert it in the chip everybody. and inject it into us. <laughs> For, be the first one to actually go on, get on the early list you know where you can sign up for a product that's not yeah, ready yet yeah go for it let's get it done that and and you know the fact that alibaba's doing it should make you feel even better yeah the chinese are going to keep track of you too wait they're not going to take that information and use it for anything are they i know i would no i know i wouldn't this is all so we can help save the planet all right here's another one from uh helen e clark helen e clark let's hear what she has to say the reality is that political resolve to fight COVID is waning. Popular support for measures is, is waning. You know, people are over COVID. The problem is it's not done with us, but we're in danger of losing this moment for transformative uh, change. And let's face it, people are still dying in significant numbers every, every day. People are still developing long COVID every day. Uh, Low-income countries uh, are horribly, horribly under-vaccinated. Under she sounds like a man. <laughs> I think another reason is that the package of things that has to happen is trans-sector, and there hasn't yet been a, an effort to try and bring together a, a head of state and government level focus on the range of things that needs to be done. We said this needs a special session at the General Let it Assembly. Let It needs a negotiated political declaration that brings the different threads together. We're talking not just right, the WHO. Right. Well, okay. I, I wanted to finish it because she said not just WHO edicts, but, but actual losing stuff. access to World Bank or facing WTO sanctions if you're not on board right like this is this is all this is all coming from davos ladies and gentlemen these people, these people are sitting around talking about this stuff it's like right? it's like it's like a faculty lounge with machine guns they're crazy okay here's another one from the moderna ceo let me guess what he's in favor of it's it's sad to say i'm in the process of throwing 30 million doses into the garbage because nobody wants them uh, we have a big demand problem we right now have uh, governments, we try to contact not only Seth, who is doing great work with his team trying to get demand into the countries, but also we contacted through the Washingtons, in, the embassies in Washington, every country, and nobody wants to take them. That's sad. Nobody wants it, the doses. It's sad, that, it's sad that you're not, we're not taking your product after you host everybody for billions and billions <laughs> no. of freaking dollars. No, I, I did, I did set, catch one comment you, you, in you, the you, comment you, section. Quote, they could inject them all to WEF members. There you go. Guys that way up. they wouldn't go to waste. They wouldn't go to waste. You know, the, I mean, the funny thing is, guys who are making stuff people actually want, like cars and oil and gas, you, they, they're having no trouble on the demand side. What do you figure that's all about? All right. Um, I, it's, it's I all know about like, okay, How many more of these are? There's probably like two more. But the, this is Norwegian finance CEO, Kjersten Bothen. What a great name. 
Are you sure that's not Kirsten? Kirsten, I can't pronounce Kirsten it. Kirsten Boffin? You sure that's not a porn star ba- name? Ba- Brothin, Brothin. Oh, Brothin. Easy. Different. What? Behave. <laughs> I need to bust out the. <laughs> do, I need to, do I need to bust out our sound effect on you? <laughs> here, here we go. We need to accept that there will be some pain in the process. Uh, the pace that we need will. Uh, will open up for missteps. Mm. Uh, it will open up for uh, shortages of energy. It will create inflationary pressures. And maybe we need to start talking about that, that that pain is actually worth it. Because if we don't, uh, there's no business case, there's no economy, there's there's no welfare. But but so far, I think we are have been a little bit careful actually talking about the pain in the short term that is likely to come from has she been watching what's going on in Europe in the last six months? This, we need. I mean, the what the hell is with, she looking the at? The pain is worth it. There's literally the, no one, who, no elected official in Europe who believes that. The pain Nobody. is worth it. Ultimately, if we don't go through the pain, we won't even be here. I, I sure. Let's just agree with that. Unfortunately, literally no one who's got to pay an electricity bill or a gas bill in Europe believes that. That's why the Europeans have been scavenging the planet for liquefied natural gas. Not because they want to accelerate the transition, because they're like, we're going to need some energy here because it's going to get cold. Okay. And last. These people are just. And last, but certainly certainly never. By no means least. Is our good, good friend, Special Envoy Carrie. What Special Chip, envoy Carrie, who Chip is have to say? both wildly confident and completely wrong yet again. Yeah, that's a good combo. You say, where do we stand now? We, we stand on a precipice. <laughs> uh, and if we pull back from the precipice and do the things we need to do, we have an incredible future ahead of us with the capacity to open up a brand new, unbelievable uh, economy globally in the world's greatest transformation ever as we move to a new energy economy as we get pollution out of the air which is what is causing the climate crisis people forget greenhouse gases are pollution and 15 million people a year die because of the quality of the air around the world Oh, let's finish it out. Burning that is not mitigated, abated. And so we stand on the precipice of being able to move away from that. Once again, (laughs) he's just so full of garbage. It's insanity. I'm going to assume, I'm going to assume that he um, doesn't understand what he just said. That's being very generous. Because if he does understand what he just said, then he's a liar. Um, he's never, I don't, uh, I'm not, I'm not gonna take credit for this. John Kerry has never met a fact or the results of a study that he couldn't butcher. Seriously. I mean, 15 million, first off, I don't know if 15 million are dead from, die every year from pollution. I, from black suit. I tend to doubt it, but if they do, it's, 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 it's from particulate matter in the developing world for the most part. Um, and uh, also, Make no mistake. Also, truthfully, I, you know the other part of you know where the other lots of fatalities come in. The rest of the mortality would come in um, open burning from places that don't have electricity. So they 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 um, they have open fires in their residences, and that you consume an enormous amount of PM and soot from that. That but hey, it, it it's all carbon dioxide. Hey, boys. boss. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm don't, s- don't get don't let those facts get in the in the way of a good story. Meanwhile, I'm what gonna, did John Adams say? Facts are stubborn things. In his in the opening uh, I'm remarks, gonna, I'm going to have some Fresca right now and enjoy some carbon dioxide. Fresca that I'm is consuming. not a sponsor of the American Energy Alliance but they should unregulated be. podcast, but they, they should, should be because because we're drinking enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, let's wade into this just briefly, just briefly, shall we? Uh, Archbishop Salvatore Cordelion. Oh, you want to talk about this? After numerous attempts to speak with Speaker Pelosi to help her understand the grave evil she is perpetuating, the scandal she is causing, and the anger to her own soul she is risking, I have determined that she is not to be admitted to Holy Communion. Yeah, so he sent her a letter on May 20, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, we don't know when the letter went. He made it public on May 20. I'm under the impression the Washington Times is going to run a very good editorial on this on Tuesday next. I encourage everybody to read it. Um, let's clear away some of the some of the some of the things about it that have been um, butchered in the press. First off, um, Roman Catholic Church has, since at least the first century, identified direct abortion and those who procure and encourage it as um, engaging in grave sin, um, a grave sin. Um, the second thing is is that the archbishop has absolute authority in the archdiocese over who um, can receive sacraments. He also has absolute authority for those of you who pay attention to these things over who can um, dispense sacraments. Right? If you're not a priest incarnated in the diocese, you can't dispense sacraments. So, um, bottom line is the bishop of Rome has nothing to do with this, and I know that's going to annoy everybody. The- you're wrong, sir. You are uh, absolutely t- t- no, totally no. right. I'm sorry. Hold on, just just wait. I know it's coming here. I know I'm about to get schooled in Catholic administration of justice by an expert. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. Welcome to the view, y'all. The abortion, abortion rights is starting to blur the lines between church and state. The Archbishop of San Francisco is calling for Speaker Nancy Pelosi to be denied receiving communion because of her pro-choice stance. He's one of the priests who also called for President Biden to be denied sacrament. This is not your job, dude. That is not, you can't, that is not up to you to make that decision. You know, what is the saying? It's kind of amazing. Uh, But, you know, what is the point of communion, right? It's for uh, sinners. It's the, for, the, for sinners. It's the reward of saints, but the bread of sinners. How dare you? How dare you? That is, if Pope Francis says that that's the issue, but... Uh, you are wrong. What's it? Uh, Whoopi. Whoopi Goldberg. Whooped your ass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, people who don't know anything should probably <laughs> shut up more often. <laughs> I, I don't know how to say that, but I just... It, she, I mean, I don't know anything about what Whoopi Goldberg does, so I don't feel any compulsive urge to explain her life. But long story short is Cardinal Corleone, which, by the way, I love that name. Right, first name Salvatore. Don Vito Corleone no, sounds a little similar. No, no, no. First name. This is important. First name Salvatore, right? Yeah. Savior. Yep. Salvator, right? Um, and Corleone in Italian means lion-hearted. So the lion-hearted Savior basically told. Speaker Pelosi, hey, I've given you a bunch of opportunities here. You and I have talked about this a bunch of times, and now, unfortunately, I have to do this thing. The interesting thing is, of course, the guy in Washington, um, Cardinal Gregory, um, has not joined him, but the 
the the um, the one in northern the bishop in northern Virginia uh, in the diocese of Arlington, right? Uh, Mike Burbage has he announced that he would honor that as well. Mm-hmm. It's a it's it's um, we are coming to a moment where professional Catholic politicians. You know the ones, the ones who say, Put up well, or shut up. personally, I'm opposed to X, abortion usually, but other things. But I don't feel I can you know, publicly be in favor of that or, or, or voice my beliefs on other people. Um, in only this one little narrow area, right? Speaker Pelosi, President Biden, Senator Markey, whose own brother is a Catholic priest, by the way. Um, their time and space is coming to an end. They're gonna to have to. They're gonna to have to decide which side they're on. And you know you what? Sound like Maximus. Your time on this earth is coming to an end. Your time of honoring yourself is at yeah. an end. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It, 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 I butchered the. And that's that's I okay. That's it. where we're coming to. The, you know, the, the, what what the cardinal sees is what I see. This is not sustainable. And and I, for one, am very grateful. And it's going to split both the church in America, and it's going to split a bunch of Democrats because. You know, it, well, it, especially you're gonna have to pick a side here, boys. Especially since they've they've so hardened their their p- position on this. You know, um, I want to play a quick little uh, yeah you exchange mean, on Capitol Hill. Obviously, since the leak of the opinion, the draft opinion, it's been all hands on deck uh, rhetoric on Capitol Hill, and Republicans brought a pro life witness uh, to a hearing, and and my congressman Jamie Raskin had a, uh, an exchange with her, and uh, I, I call it the Raskin burn. Is candidly and openly calling for a nationwide ban on all abortions with no exceptions for rape or incest. And if I've got that wrong, I would invite Ms. Foster to correct me. Do I have it wrong, yes or no? Um, if we added rape and incest exceptions, would you vote for it? Okay, I reclaim my time, of course. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think he was expecting that little twist. What? What, what was he expecting? I think that's what I'd have done. Oh, oh, he like literally like they don't like getting shook. questions. They he don't shook. like getting questions back. So great. Here's your question. All right. So that will continue, obviously, and uh, and beyond the final Supreme Court decision, which, whatever it ends up being on the Dobbs case. Anything else on that? Read the editorial on Tuesday. And speaking of the Washington Times, your latest muse on the energy transition in yeah. the commentary section. Yes. I just formalized what we've been talking about for a while, all the downstream effects, famine, war. Invasion, the dissolution of the British Empire, usual stuff. Roger that. It it and we're not done yet. We have a couple other things that are coming here not too not too far down the road. Higher electricity prices too. Yeah, well, um, unfortunately for the folks over at the World Economic Forum, they're lamenting about the fact that the quote Ukraine war threatens the transition to cleaner energy. Good. Good. I'm glad I'm glad that the war has one salutary effect that it's alerting people to the fact that this is dangerous propaganda that's that's killing is going to kill people. Yes, sir. Am I allowed to say that? I think I think so, yeah. It's America. Kill people. Kill people is very strong. It's It's going to lead to famine. It's going to lead to people dying from malnutrition and hunger who would not have otherwise died. So uh one uh, one uh, little clip in the in the section of the beginning was uh 
Ted Cruz on CNBC talking about the Larry Fink surcharge for 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 gasoline. I liked that. Now, I thought that was okay, great. It's it was great, and I will say this: as you all know, because you've been loyal listeners, we have been talking about Larry Fink way before politicians were talking about Larry Fink and ESG. And Mike pointed out that these things take a little time, right? A little bit of inertia gets built. You get you get the early, uh, you know, the, the guys who see it a little bit earlier on the horizon like us. And then all of a sudden it starts kicking into overdrive. Well, I'm, I'm actually surprised at how quickly he's back. Larry Fink has been backtracking on this stuff. I mean, he's really yeah. getting defensive, yeah. really defensive. And then... You had, and I'll put it in the show notes, you had a 16-minute presentation by the sustainability guy at HSBC. Help Stuart, what's his name? I can't remember his I name. can't remember either, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Who basically said that the entire ESG financial risk or climate risk is is overblown. It's overblown. overblown. It's overblown. It was approved by the hires up. It was, you know, as, as I understand from articles that I read, this was all cleared. He was cleared to say all this stuff, but apparently oh, they didn't like his tone. Oh, right? really? And now really? he's been basically canceled by his own company. Yeah. Well, he's so. suspended, right? Um, I, it, if you haven't seen it, see it. It's it's 16 minutes. It's worth it. He goes through it like a banker goes through things. Oh, yeah. You know, he doesn't go through it like you and me go through things. He's very bankerish about it and and it 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 is a pretty impressive takedown along with a plea a practically a plea not to overburden him and his shop with all of the redundancies and unnecessary analysis that goes that that is required to go through this process of of managing or trying to mitigate risk yeah. right he basically calls bs on the entire thing yeah, I mean, he he points out that he points out that we have a lot of near term risks. The, the, the most interesting thing about the about the whole setup was, he's like, how long do you think the average um, t- duration of a loan by HBSC is? Yeah. It's six years. Yeah, he's yeah. like, we're not talking about right. Twenty one. I, I got a lot right? of things that are happening in the next six months that are much more important than any kind of noise I'm getting out of climate change. And also says all the exact same things that our economist. Dr. Kreutzer has been saying is that we to to assume that we are going to remain static is crazy. in terms of how we deal with mitigation between now and 2100 is an absolute absurdity. It's crazy talk. Yeah. So there's a lot of crazy talk on this stuff. All right. So this article caught your attention and you flagged it for me from Roll Call on May 26, which was today. House lawmakers' appetite for earmarking has grown a year after Democrats resurrected the practice, particularly among Republicans who will face a sensitive decision on whether to maintain quote-unquote community project funding in the next Congress if they retake the chamber in November. We talked about this at the beginning of this process where the Republicans were racking up, you know, a few couple of, maybe not quite a billion dollars worth of of, of what, projects. Thus far, 121 House Republicans have requested $5.5 billion worth of projects that appropriators are, are evaluating when they begin writing the fiscal 23 spending bill. 
Overall, House lawmakers have requested 4,743 earmarks, a 57% jump from last year for a total of nearly $12 billion, a 75% increase. The interesting part of the story was is that of the top 20, like 15 of them are Republicans. Randy Weber, Brian Mast, Michael Walls, Mike Rogers, John Carter, Scott Franklin, Clay, you got to go six deep before you get to a Democrat. Yeah, it was just our friend shocking. Garrett Graves, of course, is on the list. Uh, yeah, he's from Louisiana. Would you? Expect? Sam Graves, Lee Zeldin, New York, always bringing in, raking in the the earmarks. So, you know, I, I kind of go back and forth on this earmark thing. If it if it if it helps to put the budget process back to a process that is manageable, I might not be that you know yes. wildly opposed to it. Yes, but if it's both. As I said before, if it's both this and a sh- crappy budget process, then obviously I'm not well, for it. And that's so. what it is, right? And and the thing is, it's 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 a little bit like I don't know what it's like. Everybody, everybody, it's always unappetizing. It always starts off with good intentions, and it always ends up incredibly messy and unappetizing. And you know what? It's constitutionally suspect. I'm going to have to throw my lot in with with Tom McClintock there. It's just constitutionally suspect, which means I'm a hard no. And I don't know how else to say it. I'm sure that makes me a bad person. And I know it makes me a bad lobbyist. All right, my friend, you got anything on your list? We're getting, I, re- we're getting ready to wrap here. I have three things real quick. First off, um, Hillary asked us to talk about what Joe Manchin's up to. I will tell you what he's up to. He's got himself an advanced manufacturing tax credit he wants to get done somehow. And he is trying to figure out how to make that happen because he wants he – wants that for the people of the state of West Virginia. Um, so you think that means we're going to get this bipartisan energy thing? No, of course not. Just, Don't be ridiculous. We're going to get the. We, we're probably just going to get his advanced manufacturing tax credit somewhere in the lame duck with the tax extenders. <laughs> that would be my guess. Yeah, we could but also not before the election. No, no, no. We could also get it in the. By in, the way, um, Bill Beck better is that is that the, coming up the, for the, a vote the, soon? The, 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 <laughs> I, I know Chuck Schumer promised me he was going to vote every know, day on deal? it until it wasn't going to until it didn't pass or whatever. That was uh, he was going to start that in fe- in January. So here we are in what May, still waiting. So that's what Joe Manchin's up to. I would not worry too much about it, but it bear- does bear some watching. Um, that's thing one. Thing two is, as always, Pennsylvania has embarrassed itself in vote counting. Um, this is the most disgraceful thing yes. I've ever 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 seen, and I'm not sure what the right answer is, but. It's you. You can't have this. It is happen. third world. It's like uh, it, third it's, world country stuff. And it's Pennsylvania, like the, it's like the Republic of Georgia, not the state of Georgia. Pennsylvania has always been the worst in the country at this, but it has gone to some epic level of badness now. I mean, I, you know, who cares who the who the Republican nominee is? Can't even count the votes. Yeah, and a week ago, we're, what the hell's going on here? That's thing too. Um, somebody should fix it because you know what? It does not. It does not lead to confidence in the system. Um, electricity prices. I want to. I want to just ten seconds on electricity prices. Natural gas prices are going way up. Electricity prices are tracking with them. They're going to show up in people's bills here in a month or two. Um, it's bad. It's probably going to lead us in. This is what's going to lead us into a recession. The other thing is, is that for the last week, everybody in electricity land has been ringing alarm bells about blackouts this summer. This is a pretty standard annual tradition. 
But one thing in particular struck me, Gordon Van Wheelie, who runs the um, independent system operator for New England, said yesterday that that the real question about whether we were going to have blackouts in New England were going to be whether we were going to be able to import enough liquefied natural gas into the terminal at Everett to keep our electricity system running in New England. It's just insane. How quickly can they build a hundred and let's call it 150 miles, a 150 mile pipeline from the heart of Marcellus to Boston? A highly motivated team probably do it in two and a half months. Um, It's just insane. It's I've never. It is the complete and total fault of the Democrats. Yeah. Democratic Party in New York, the federal Democrats, the the Machis of the world. These people are solely to blame for this. Square one. Yeah. And let me put one other thing out there while you're thinking. And the Greens, obviously. It's incredible that you're now talking about importing from Qatar or Russia or wherever um, liquefied natural gas into a country that just is – we're drenched in natural gas. You, you can't, can't, can't drill a hole in this country without finding natural gas. Um, last thought on this, um, Chairman – Glick at FERC was renominated um, last week. If we have a bunch of blackouts followed by price increases, electricity price increases um, this summer, I have to believe that 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 is going to be a tricky, bumpy confirmation process. I think it was already a tricky, bumpy confirmation process, uh, but that will complicate it. There are going to be some questions. Okay, real quick. Uh, in November of 2021, Joe Biden announced a 50 million barrel of oil re- uh, release from the Strategic Reserve. At that time, WTI was $78 a barrel and diesel was $364 a gallon. And then on March 31st of 2022, he announced an even larger release of 180 million barrels. At that time, WTI was 103 a barrel and diesel was 511 As of Two days ago, WTI was $110 and diesel was $5.55 a gallon, 41% up and 52% increase for diesel. So can trying to convince Americans that he's doing something about high prices at the pump? He is. He's making them worse. Is. The, the facts do not bear it. And now he's considering a strategic diesel reserve release. Yeah. <laughs> right. On top of Governor Newsom's proposed strategic electricity reserve, these guys are not your friends, ladies and gentlemen, on gas prices. We at the American Energy Alliance have compiled a list of over 90 specific actions that the Biden administration and the Democrats in Congress have done, not said, have done, that directly lead to this the dis- yeah. That disincentivize oil and gas production in this country. 90. And there's been around 20 since the invasion of Ukraine. So calling it the Putin price increase is utter garbage. Yeah. And that's that's just that's just that, right? It is garbage. Um, w- one last thought. I know you got to close. One last thought. Um, this is going to be not good for a couple of years. We're going to we're going to we're going to have real problems here for a while. Yeah, but fortunately, you know, we just need a little pain to get to the other side. The people at Davos and the people in the White House who say those kind of things are terrible. They're just terrible, terrible, terrible people. They're terrible, terrible people. Okay, here's a blast from the past. Don't 
<laughs> Let's not forget that Joe Biden's been running for president for quite a while. <laughs> this was back in 1988. He had quite a little bit of a stumble uh, on the on the campaign trail. New Hampshire. Sure. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my in my class that uh, have a full academic scholarship. Went back to law school and, in fact, ended up in the top half of my class. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school, 165 <laughs> credits, only needed 123 credits. Biden now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class. What? That he does not have three degrees from college. Huh? And that he was not named outstanding political science I, student. Uh, Newsweek says Biden actually went to school on a half scholarship, <laughs> ended up near the bottom of his class, and won only one degree, not three. Joe Biden ranked 76th in a class of 85 at the University of Syracuse Law School. I mean, this guy comes off this whole thing as a flyweight. Now Biden says Newsweek is right. His memory had failed him. And I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. Joe Biden. <laughs> Just, I, <laughs> what, <laughs> what do you say about that? I don't What can you say? Working like the devil to lower your gas prices, though, with all those degrees. <laughs> yeah, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's a wrap. 85 is in the books. Go Yankees. Namaste. Hey.